Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 248 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And I'm going to talk a little bit because I am hearing the intro gate some. So, yeah. uh, and I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD. Who is not crackling. Excellent. <laughs> we have, a, we have, I think we have eliminated the crackle. No All right. More. So 248. We are at almost a 250. 250 is going to be a long topic episode too. And we're going to have to think of a good one for that one. Um, but anyway, this is our short format show, so we're going to talk about some short topics tonight. And we're going to start off, as we usually do, on the most terrific podcast on the internet, with a lead topic. And sometimes we have a lead topic, and sometimes we don't. Tonight, I just thought I'd throw in, or throw in, not throw in, right. that we have, or I have posted some new items in the merch store. And pretty much all of them are glassware because we just happen to have a lot of glassware around. Um, but if you would like a Linux in the Ham Shack bl- uh, branded, say, Pilsner glass or a giant 27-ounce mug or some wine glasses or a coffee mug or something like that, we now do the printing ourselves on these items. So we're able to offer them to you really, really cheaply. And everything you buy over at the merch store, of course, helps support the program. I think we, I think I mark up about 50%. So like if you buy something that costs $2 or I'm sorry, if you buy something that costs $4, $2 goes to the show. So you can kind of figure your donation based on that. So if you want to check that out, it's at shop.lhspodcast.info. And uh, before too long, I will have the lhspodcast.store URL working. And uh, of course, I'll put that on social media when that actually happens. So that's all that I want to say about that. I want to do a whole lot of uh, plugging the show right up front. So let's move into some topics. And we start off with amateur radio. So Bill is going to tell us about sending crypto over the radio waves. Yeah, because we always, always need to get more and more of these crypto stories. And uh, this one is uh, this off-grid solar-powered system sends crypto through radio waves. Ooh. The developers of Burst believe they have a solution, a solar-powered blockchain that operates completely off-grid. They claim they to already have completed a solar-powered solar cryptocurrency transaction using short-burst radio waves. While projects have incorporated radio waves into their transaction process, Burst may be the first project to have performed fully off-the-grid transaction, opening a use case for cryptocurrency in instances of natural disaster or areas with poor infrastructure. And I, I love the the picture they had on this particular article. It was a uh, basically a little HT with uh, the the frequency blinked out, <laughs> so you couldn't <laughs> couldn't read the frequency. But uh, 
you know, this was definitely done over FM. Uh, so, uh, not, not an HF experiment, not to say you couldn't run FM over 10 meters or something like, but, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm not sure, um, what, what, uh, this brings to the table beyond just another method for, uh, transacting, uh, you know, maybe a message, maybe a piece of traffic or I don't know, money. <laughs> is is there really a need for cryptocurrency during the times of disaster? I mean, does anyone need their Bitcoin in the middle of a hurricane? Absolutely, uh, right? You know, in case you have to buy the, something off that dark web. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I guess if you need that military issue tank or whatever while your house is being blown in, um, yeah. sure, why not? Yeah, or, you, you know, run in and order it on Amazon and hope that they can deliver it in time in two hours. <laughs> Amazon is not on the dark web. Yeah. Wait, wait, yeah. Wait. <laughs> um. Well, maybe she was thinking just because the power's out, it's the dark web. Oh, the dark web. The darkened web. That's what it is. The, no, uh, I, I was thinking like that prime delivery in one hour or less thing, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's the funniest thing I've heard all day, actually. All right. So. <laughs> I'm here all week. Thanks. You're here all week. Yeah. Good. Everybody tip your waitresses. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Cheryl can read this next one. It's about. Uh, no, no, uh, no, no, no. No, you can't. Oh, no, I'm in the other still... etherpad. The other etherpad. Yeah. Oh, the other one because you have, because you're I'm holding everybody back. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> your, your laptop is like the darkened web. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, fine, fine, fine. Let me save this real quick. <laughs> Great. She's getting that recipe in there. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you can do that after you read this well, story. It's How about that? Ninety nine point nine percent done. So, okay, fantastic. Okay, so we're second story, right? Second story. All yep. right. So, so the second story is Hurricane Florence communications status reports. On the FCC site, they've been publishing these status reports daily for the affected regions from Hurricane Florence. This is an interesting look at the stability of wireless carriers towers throughout the storm. Currently, there are 57 out of 5,700 towers offline from the storm. Well, that seems pretty good. At one point, there were well over 400 towers offline. Some counties experiencing more than 30% loss of coverage. This is important to note in our amateur radio segment because it's important to have other means of communication in disasters such as this. You cannot always count on existing infrastructure to survive, infrastructure to survive, even wireless. That's right. Even even wireless for your dark web Bitcoin transactions. Well, yeah, yeah. Yep. So. And that was a completely billified story. I just want you to know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. We we all know when they sound like bill stories. Well, yeah. So. <laughs> I thought it was real interesting. I just kind of went across the FCC site because I was looking for some news articles, and uh, I came across those reports. And so I started digging back day after day after day, looking backwards, and it was quite interesting to see the uh, the towers like kind of going up and down. I would love to see uh you know someone put that onto like a you know a GIS infographic and uh like have it time lapsed when the towers went out and where they were and where they covered right. and uh, that would be when like they came back online so and... awesome yeah yeah <laughs> that, <laughs> I would that love would to see that cool. visualization yeah and uh, they don't give you enough detail in the reports they just give you a county by county i mean you could probably do like a heat map uh time lapse report on it uh just for the day uh, which might be interesting enough. Um, but it'd be more interesting if we had like GIS information on those individual towers that went down. So we could really kind of, kind of see the map of, of where 
where coverage was completely lost and where people were shut down, stuff like that. Um, I was really impressed though, overall coverage wise. I don't know if you guys watched any of the, the any, anything about Wilmington since I lived there one time. <laughs> I actually <laughs> no. pulled up the live stream from the local, uh, the local uh, channel there in New Hanover County, uh, WECT and was watching their like kind of live coverage while the storm was kind of going through. And it was amazing that there was still, uh, I mean, they were still online. They were still streaming everything and they were still getting out. So it's quite impressive. Um, although, you know, of course today they have like almost a 10 foot plus, uh, <laughs> cresting, uh, uh, river down there, the Cape Fear River. So it's, uh, still, uh, still a crisis in, in progress, um, right. for all the, uh, the coastal river, uh, towns and stuff like that. Yeah, the rain was definitely the biggest part of the issue for Florence because it kind of sat there and spun. The The wind was a problem, of course, as it is with any hurricane, but just the the wave after wave after wave of rain, um, yeah, still causing major problems. <laughs> I don't know what we would do if Springfield gets an inch and a half of rain and all the streets flood. So if there was <laughs> if there was an actual hurricane in the center of the country. I, <laughs> yeah, holy cow, right? <laughs> well, there there was uh, back in the 90s, the, we got several inches of rain, you know, from just a storm system that just didn't move away. And the Mississippi River flooded, and it made a huge mess. And we had gotten to the point where um, there's a house at the bottom of the hill down the road from us. Their house was flooded up to the upstairs. So, because they sit right on a creek, and that creek was like 20 feet above flood stage. Um, But we had... The Mississippi River was had washed out bridges and everything else along it um because it was so bad and i want to say that was in 92 maybe 93 so yeah well it's just a good thing we don't get hurricanes here so yeah well that was bad enough though because we we got like 20 inches of rain over a period of like a week and it was everything here was just a mess oh and by the way cape fear is a good movie well he mentioned he mentioned cape fear (laughs) absolutely yeah (laughs) all right so moving on we're going to talk about sweden I saw this, and this was kind of interesting to me, so I threw it in here for tonight. Uh, Sweden to require fee to run more than 200 watts. Effective on November 1st, radio amateurs in Sweden who want to run more than 200 watts PEP in certain amateur radio allocations will have to apply for a transmitter license to do so and pay a yearly fee. Uh, there's some other interesting information here, though. Sweden's telecom in- agency, PTS, has announced a modified listing of license-free transmitters that spell out the changes for amateur radio and other services. Sweden eliminated amateur radio licenses in 2004, and amateur radio in Sweden is permission-free, but prospective radio amateurs must still pass an examination. A certificate and a call sign valid for life are issued without any future fees. Up until now, the maximum permitted power on most HF bands has been 1 kilowatt, with no additional authorization required. The new regulations would require contesting and moon-bounce enthusiasts to register their fixed installations in order to use high-power amplifiers. The annual fee to operate with more than 200 watts PEP would be approximately $32 US, and permits will be issued for three years and renewed automatically, assuming the conditions for granting the permit are still met and complies with all rules. Individuals or clubs may register up to five different fixed locations. And that came from the ARRL. So that's kind of interesting. I didn't know that there were no... that. that amateur radio had gone kind of CB over in Sweden. I didn't know. I, and I'm pretty sure we have a few Swedish listeners. I haven't heard anybody 
say anything about that. You still have to be licensed. So, so how's it permission-free if you still have to be licensed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? That's kind, that's kind of weird. It is weird. And that happened 14 years ago. I don't know. I'm not sure why we haven't heard about this, but that's interesting. But anyway, apparently if you want to do EME in Sweden, you have to pay a new fee. So there you go. Ten bucks, ten bucks a year, apparently. Yeah, basically. So not not too bad. <clears throat> I don't. Is is like Sweden so full of moon bounce work that this is how they're trying to increase their taxation revenue? They're <laughs> taxing amateur radio That's operators possible. who moon bounce. <laughs> Most people just go for cigarettes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. That's a that's what they're doing here in Montana. <laughs> it's the big controversy. Yeah, it's it's everywhere. Cigarettes and gas. That, that's where everybody wants their money from. So, all right. I guess it's because it's something that everybody uses. Well, that and food. So, I guess that's where all the tax revenue comes from, right? Cigarettes, uh, food, cigarettes, food income, and gasoline. So, yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, anyway, there you go. Sweden. Be aware, no more moon bounce without paying the extra do-re-me. So. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we'll move on from amateur radio topics to our open source topics. And, Bill, since this is a billified topic, we're going to have to let Bill cover it. So go for it. Oh, it's not billified at all. I just copied and pasted straight from the website. Wow. So this is a, a Bill-like topic, whether you, whether you oh, wrote it or not. Yeah, there you go. I bet it came well, from I, mean, I didn't even look, but it's right. <laughs> no, it didn't. It did. It didn't. But it probably he probably found it. Found via it there. Yeah, probably. Okay, I'll I'll admit, did find it on Reddit, <laughs> and uh, of course, yeah, this is gonna this is gonna go right in line with with our other topic that we have here. I mean, everybody's probably aware by now that there was a ton of uh, uh, there was a ripple in the force. <laughs> in open source. And uh this is one of the things that kind of popped up at the same time. And uh this was linked in Reddit uh with the title of uh 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 Linus's Tor- Linus Torvald's daughter has signed the post meritocracy manifesto. And uh, uh basically what this is is like some Unabomber thing. No, just kidding. That's <laughs> a <laughs> So this is what their website says for the post-meritocracy manifesto. Uh, the meritocracy is a founding principle of the open source movement, and the ideal of meritocracy is perpetuated throughout our field in a way that people are recruited, hired, retained, promote, promoted, and valued. But meritocracy has a consistency has consistently shown itself to mainly benefit those with privilege. Hear, hear that, you white people. White males, how dare you? Uh, to, uh, to the exclusion of the underrepresented people in technology, the idea of merit is in fact never clearly defined. Rather, it seems to be a form of recognition, an acknowledgement that this person is valuable insofar as they are like me. And, uh, so that's like the header. <laughs> <laughs> just got me like, oh, I just can't wait to read more. I just want to find somewhere to sign on this thing. Um, so here's like some of the core values and principles. And I, I don't want to tear apart each one of these, but oh, we can feel free to just kind of come on in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We do not believe that our value as human beings is intrinsically tied to our value as knowledge workers. Uh, our professions do not define us. We are more than the work we do. Knowledge workers. That's a bunch of, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if, uh, if I'm thinking from a business perspective and you work for me, 
Um, yeah, the only value to me is what you do for work. <laughs> right. <laughs> you could be purple. I've had an alien. And uh, as long as you're a coder like crazy and I uh, can put out some quality code, I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> I like this next one. We, we believe that interpersonal skills are at least as important as technical skills. Okay. Well, every neckbeard is now out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> so interpersonal skills. I mean, all these introverts that rather sit at home coding in their underwear <laughs> with a bag of Cheetos on their belly resting. Uh, on their yeah. beanbag chair. On their beanbag yeah, chair. On their beanbag yeah. chair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's one. Uh, we can add the most value, uh, value as professionals by drawing on the diversity of our identities, backgrounds, experiences, perspectives. Homogeneity, homogeneity is an anti-pattern. Well, yeah, I, I have I, to I, say that this is one of those things where you have to look at the pool of talent. Yes, it would be great if you could, if the pool of talent was evenly distributed and from it you can bowl an evenly distributed group of workers. But as we know in the tech sector, the pool of talent is not evenly distributed. Yeah. So that's why they probably need to start quotas so we can make sure that we have diversity and we just, you just basically hire around that. So you just, uh, just need more people. So, um, not, not a very business friendly model for sure. <laughs> no. And I'm all for getting more people of diverse backgrounds into the oh, technology absolutely. pool for sure. You know, I just don't, yeah. you know, that this doesn't describe how that happens. This is just talking about what needs to happen going forward. I think. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I, I really appreciate in a project having people that absolutely do not know how to code, but know how to use an interface <laughs> so they can tell the coders, Hey, uh, putting a button there is stupid. I don't want to, I don't even know what that's for. It's not even in the right place, you know, what? especially when you're dealing with user experience and stuff like that. Any, anybody who knows beta testing knows they want somebody who knows absolutely nothing about a particular product to test it because they will find everything that's wrong with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the <laughs> diversity I want is diver- was never intended to be used. All right. <laughs> yeah. A diversity of skill sets. And that's what I don't see here as a diversity of skill sets. Um, but maybe that's what they meant to. That, that could be. Uh, let's see. Uh, lead lives. We don't really care about that. Positions of privilege. There's a lot of talk about privilege in this stuff. And, uh, uh you know, it's like the, the haves and the have nots. <laughs> it's like <laughs> we have this huge class structure in the tech field. And it's basically uh, all these really poor workers <laughs> that work 90 hours a week like a slave. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what color you are or what religion you are or what sexual preference you have. Uh, you know, the tech sector business is, uh, you know, it's a kill or be killed world. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's not all glamour at the top, let's say. Um, we have value the non-technical contributors. We already talked about that. So yeah, we do. I, I like non-technical people. Otherwise, you would never know you had something wrong. Uh, Absolutely. We understand that working in our field is a privilege, not a right. Uh, I don't even know if it's a privilege. It's just a mistake that, you know, pleasantly happened to some people. <laughs> <laughs> the negative impact of toxic people in the workplace or the larger community is not offset. You know, this is right at Linus and any, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which makes me realize I should have put the next story first. Yes, but. you should have. Yes, you should have. <laughs> but that's you okay. You would have this known about all... the next story if I hadn't mentioned it before I left. 
yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we, whatever. We already talked about whatever. it last week. Where we were you? We did mention it. But. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, and the field of software development embraces technical change and is made better by accepting social change. And that's bullshit. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it has absolutely nothing to do with it. You know, technical change. It's all about business. You know, it's selling widgets. The social change has absolutely nothing to do with selling widgets. You know, come up with a different uh, a different pattern for your anti pattern or pattern less. Uh, we strive to reflect our values in everything we do. Yeah, no, that's not happening either. Uh, <laughs> the less values I know you have, <laughs> and the more code you push out, the better it is. Uh, we recognize <laughs> that value is espoused, but not practiced, and not all value not not values at all. Practiced are not values at all. I have no idea what that means. Anyway. If you're interested in this, go check it out and, you know, go ahead and sign up. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I find so many like fundamental flaws in logic here. I understand where it's coming from. And it's definitely a, uh, a pattern that we've been watching, uh, slowly evolve or rapidly evolve over the last, uh, I'd say probably four years. Um, you know, this is going to lead to more dogs inside of WeWorks. That's all I can say. There's going to be more dogs, you know, wolf, wolf, little doggy puppies inside of WeWorks. Anytime intelligent technical people try to draft social doctrine, it usually winds up bad. (laughs) Well, I I can assure you probably no technical people are (laughs) (laughs) writing this because they're busy coding so they can keep their jobs. (laughs) They're not privileged enough to sit here and write social change crap into the workplace. <laughs> That's probably true, but I'm not going to speculate. <laughs> All right. So in, in a related article that should have been read first, uh, well, we'll let Cheryl, I, I actually wrote, retooled this article so it can be read by anybody. Not, it's not billified. It's not meified. So whatever. So uh, anyway, the story that should have come first comes now. <laughs> the creator of Linux steps aside. The emails of the celebrated programmer Linus Torvalds land like thunderbolts from on high onto public lists, full of invective, insults, and demeaning language. Torvalds has publicly posted thousands of scathing messages targeting programmers who submit what he deems a flawed code into the Linux computer operating system kernel, which he brought to life more than 25 years ago and now administers as a collaborative open source project. On Sunday, the benevolent benevolent dictator announced that he would be stepping down temporarily to go get some assistance on how to understand people's emotions and respond appropriately. Torvald's decisions to step aside came after the New Yorker magazine asked him a series of questions about his conduct for a story on complaints about his abusive behavior discouraging women from working as Linux kernel programmers. Until this weekend, Torvalds had not only defended his aggressive behavior, but insisted that it contributed to Linux's runaway success. Linux's elite developers, who are overwhelmingly male, tend to share their leader's aggressive self-confidence. There are very few women among the most prolific contributors, though the foundation and researchers estimate that approximately 10% of all Linux coders are women. It came from New Yorker Magazine. It did come from New Yorker Magazine, <clears throat> so it has a slightly New Yorker Magazine bias, but the the crux of the story is clear. And it speaks to the manifesto mentioned in the previous story and, you know, how 
And it's funny though, because Linus has always maintained, and he, I think he even maintained a little bit in this particular story that, um, the things he did are actually good for the Linux project. You know, being him, him, is good. Yeah, him being an insensitive dick is, uh, <laughs> is, is good for code, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah. And I doubt his, his, uh, insults were specific to us particular, you know, gender or what have you. Uh, I, no, I, I see it more as went, like yeah. letting off on you for code. Uh, there's a few Reddit uh, threads of the GitHub commits and stuff like that for the Linux kernel that kind of show some of these kind of bullshit <laughs> commits. Oh, sorry, <laughs> got to badger that out. Um, <laughs> the commits, like you know, people adding spaces to the ends of lines and stuff like that, so they can get uh, you know added as a contributor onto. <laughs> <laughs> the Linux kernel. Nice. Um, there's a bunch of asshats, and there are probably all races, all sexes, all whatever in the world. I, <laughs> they're not all a specific, uh, non-privileged class. Everybody, no. there's asshats everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And, uh, you know, if you had to go through the list of pull requests and stuff like that, with stuff like that in there all the time in your project that has hundreds and thousands of contributors, uh, I could see how somebody could, uh, you know, possibly just, just maybe get a, a little bit, uh, you know, on unhinged at times. Uh, yeah. And I, and I'm not giving him a pass at you know, being a complete douchebag or, you know, personally insulting somebody, uh, you know, to the point that it's beyond the fact that you can't code. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. If he said you suck, you can't code. Don't, don't put any more pull requests. Okay, I'm good with that. That's 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 acceptable. That's not uh, <laughs> as a programmer, I appreciate when you know a little honesty. Yeah, it's like uh, your code sucks. Uh, okay, well, you know maybe you should find something else to do. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if he said you know you're just a scuzzy woman and you're you're, you're ugly right. or something, you know mm-hmm. that doesn't even matter, right? It's like it's, it's irrelevant to the the process of putting code into Linux or code into any project. Uh, <laughs> well, I think he was generally disparaging of the coding and not resulting to ad hominems. I, I don't know that for sure. And maybe he did because I've not read every email that Linux Torvalds has ever sent, but you know, yeah, most of the ones I've seen are scathing on like, you know, commits. Right. <laughs> They're like, what the hell are you trying to accomplish here? You know, you know? Well, maybe he's just uh, wanting a month or two in the Caymans. I don't know, but whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. whatever. <laughs> well, he well, was actually- definitely forced out. He didn't, he didn't choose to do this. This is definitely a force out move. And, uh, yeah, you need to he's go not, have some anger man. He's not coming back. Yeah. He is not coming back. Oh, that's, is that a prediction or are you he, sure? Uh, I, that's my prediction. I don't think he's, he's not going to be coming back. He says that he is. Well, and, he says that he is, yeah. but if if he's not the one who said that he was leaving, then maybe oh, he's yeah, not. Maybe not. <laughs> there's there's so, going to be a big vacuum that needs to be filled there, and it's going to be filled, and then he's going to be the unprivileged class because he's going to be, you know, the privileged. One, one point six million dollar a year salary. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Yes, he'll, yeah. he'll be the unprivileged class. Well, the the thing is, Mad Dog Hall is the godfather of the, the Torvald's daughter. And this discussion has come up about, you know, him having these go off the deep end, you know, emails and stuff. And Mad Dog has said that in everyday life, he's fine. So I'm assuming that he probably just is, as Bill said, gets tired of people just doing bullshit to the code 
for whatever Douchebaggery. reason. Yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's probably burned out. He says he's not burned out. It, it explicitly says in this article that he says he's not burned out. Right. But I suspect he probably is. I, I suspect there's some burnout in there. Probably. So. All right. Well, we have a prediction, and I'm curious to see if it comes true. Will Linus Torvalds ever become or re-become Linux's benevolent dictator? We'll see. Well, yeah, we'll see. All right. Cool. So, moving on, we have something interesting. It's called W Linux. It's Windows 10's exclusive Linux distribution. What the hell you say? <laughs> uh, there are a number of Linux distros available for the Windows subsystem for Linux, WSL, including Ubuntu, OpenSUSE, Leap42, Debian GNU Linux, and Kali Linux. However, these distros tend to lack development tools and contain unnecessary packages such as SystemD. WLinux is a new open-source Linux distribution based on Debian Stable that has been specifically optimized for WSL. Created by open-source software startup Whitewater Foundry, WLinux has a number of WSL-specific enhancements enabled by default with additional features planned for the future. New features are actively added based on community interest, including paid bug and feature bounties. WLinux offers faster patching than any upstream Linux distro for WSL-specific bugs. There's an official wiki, and WLinux can be downloaded directly from the Microsoft Store. It isn't free, however. The distribution is usually priced at $19.99, but for a limited time, you can get it for $2.99. And because it's Linux, if you don't want to pay, you are free to build WLinux from the source yourself or fork it into your own project. What the fork? Yeah. <laughs> you, you said two ninety nine. Mine says nine ninety. Oh, did I say two ninety nine? Yes, I believe you did. Oh, uh, I thought you said nine ninety. I thought you said nine ninety nine too, oh, but maybe okay. I didn't. Maybe. I meant nine ninety nine either way. <laughs> <laughs> or if you want to download the source and build it yourself, it's free. So there you go. As as with all Linuxes, same with Red Hat yeah, Enterprise and, Linux. So. And this is a system that does not have System D, and that's what it's also touting. So it does not have <laughs> System D because the WSL does not need it, apparently. Right. So, yeah. well, there you go. So, if you want to find out about W Linux, which sounds suspiciously like a door W W W Linux, Windows Linux. Yeah. Wait, this is what the Microsoft strategy, right? What is it like? Embrace, invade, and destroy, or something like that. I can't remember what that is, but it's something like that. I came, I saw, I conquered. Hmm, that sounds very good. Yeah. Yeah, embrace and then, you know, divide from within. Right. Right. <laughs> Our Linux is better, then we're going to put some performance hits on all these other WSLs. <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens. It's not it's not developed by Microsoft unless Whitewater Foundry is some sort of offshoot of Microsoft. I did not look at the specifics of the organization. Well, let's just leave it as a conspiracy theory, and that'll be good. Enough. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Feel free to debunk or not at your leisure. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So moving on, we're going to talk about some stuff for Linux in the ham shack. And this next story is, of course, a billified story. So we must Absolutely. put Bill upon it. Yes, yeah. So I'm just following up on our on our long episode with Noah July uh, about jack and audio routing because i've been working on this at home and i'm uh, i'm proud to say i still don't know jack but i'm getting better acquainted so uh yeah so let me tell you a little bit about my successes here um i i, I also i okay well i'll just go over it. so i i got the low latency kernel installed here on uh on the asus and this is the one i'm running the ubuntu uh, lhs build 1804.1 uh so mate edition 
Uh, so the kernel's installed, uh, got Jack running in real time priority, and that is, uh, a quick edit in your, uh, in one of your Etsy, uh, files. Uh, I'll probably document that too. Uh, I found it myself. And I also found that you need to add your, your user to the group that actual Jack audio is being run on. <laughs> <laughs> so that the real-time priority is actually uh, on <clears throat> when you log into your session. So that was also an interesting find. Uh, if you go to, if you run in the console, you limit, you limit, you know, it's U-L-I-M-I-T uh, with a tack A on the end. Uh, that'll show you what your current uh, limits are for uh, audio priority. Um and that's how I figured out that, oh, I'm not in the right group. So I put myself in the group and then all of a sudden my changes that I've made in my, uh, my uh, Etsy uh, all took effect. Um, I got Ardor connected. Uh, I, I played around with that a little bit, and uh, I got Gladish. I was using Gladish to do all the hookups, the actual uh, um, device linking between the inputs and the outputs. I had sound coming through Ardor, so I knew I had something going right, and I started messing around adding uh, a gate, uh, you know, a gate and um, a compressor and everything else. And I started, uh, wondering, okay, so let's, uh, let's see what else we can do here. I, uh, I got the VLC jacked in as a soundboard so I can run sound from VLC directly into Jack and then pop that through Ardor and then out to whatever device I want to. But I ran into one problem when I came to connecting Mumble and Mumble is what we used for the record right now. <clears throat> and, uh, apparently the current version 1.2 point whatever, uh, does not uh, support Jack at all. Uh, the new version 1.3, however, does have Jack audio support. However, <laughs> I, uh, I found the, uh, the actual, uh, PPA on Launchpad for the current, uh, daily builds, but I found that the PPA builds do not have Jack audio enabled. So, uh, they are completely worthless. So I went to try and actually, compile mumble from git and i ran into a random ssl library issue bug something <laughs> and uh which really surprised me because it didn't seem like uh it should crash there so i'm still researching that and to see if i can actually get a build of mumble running with a jack audio support turned on so i can actually test and see if i can get everything working but in this process i also ran across a uh, product called non uh, N O N and they have a mixer, a session uh, manager, a sequencer and a timeline application, uh, that, uh, is all nicely, uh, nicely built. It's made for Jack audio. It's, uh, it, it's mentioned that it can run as, uh, on low end, uh, hardware, like a raspberry Pi and stuff like that, because it's written in uh, C or C plus plus. So highly optimized, uh, uh, audio handling, uh, on top of Jack and I, I compiled that and got that to run, but uh, I really didn't get far with it, but it was a, uh, it was kind of an interesting find. I saw it mentioned in a Reddit article, of course, <laughs> cause that's where I find everything. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was kind of, uh, it's kind of interesting. So I, I might play with that some more too. So I don't know if you've uh, run into the non uh, products, uh, non mixer and stuff like that. Um, but those are out there. And uh, so that's where I'm at with Jack. I did uh, also rebuild the Mac out there. It's uh, running Fedora 28. Um, I have set up Jack on it, but I haven't. Uh, I haven't quite gotten as far as uh, getting Gladish running and 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 stuff like that out there yet. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try to work on that too this week and kind of see how far I can get. 
All right. No, I have not checked out any of the non-products or Gladish or any of the other stuff that we talked about in last week's episode. That is uh, a project for another day for me. Uh, I'm not having the time. And in fact, I don't have any computer resources uh, available to me at the moment to kind of tr- to change over and, and work with Jack and try and get that stuff installed. But I'm glad to see that you're actually having some success with it. It gives me hope for my own setup. Yeah, I, I knew I was doing something good when I could actually hear myself through the microphone <laughs> all the way through the mixer. <laughs> it was like, wow, this is like the first time I've ever had sound outside of Jack <laughs> using Jack. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing something right. <laughs> so I think I'm close. I'm right. I'm right on the cusp of, uh, of, of actually having something workable and usable. I just want to, uh, I gotta, I gotta get this mumble thing working because this is a, this is obnoxious. Yeah, that's kind of a deal breaker unless we decide to choose another way to record, like using Discord or something. But uh, that's another topic for another day as well, I'm sure. Um, I do want to explore Rivendell. It sounds like an incredible project. So I think when I try this whole Jack thing, um, that's the way I'm going to go because it sounds like a sort of all-in-one experience. And uh, and I'm all about all-in-one experiences. <laughs> yeah, it might be a bit much, but for the way you have things set up there with the multiple streams and stuff like that running, who knows? It might might be a perfect solution for you. Well, that's what we're going to find out. And, uh, of course, I'll report on my experiences, good or bad, <clears throat> with Rivendell once I get around to that. So I see some uh, chat in the chat room, uh, mostly talking about Linus Torvalds being a dick kind of stuff, but... <laughs> <laughs> um so i guess we don't need to rehash that all right so i'm glad we're having some success or at least you're having some success with the jack subsystem that's a topic that i've wanted to approach and learn for a long time i know noah helped us out a lot with that last week and i really hope to be able to dive into it pretty soon so uh, if anybody else is having any success or failure in the jack space or linux audio space feel free to send us some feedback we'd love to hear about uh your experiences uh, with using audio routing in Linux. It'd be kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I did get a, some feedback that we'll share in our next episode because uh, that's when we do it, right? <laughs> yes, that is correct. We have a bunch of feedback for next episode, so stay tuned for that. Yep. All right, cool. So also in Linux in the Ham Shack, we have a new version of WSJTX. Version 2.0 is coming out this December. Uh, while RC1 is currently being tested in the wild, this new version of WSJTX comes with some pretty cool features which will allow you to use it in serious contests. Here are some of the highlights. Uh, the North America VHF contest operation with full and transparent supportive grid locators and stroke R call signs. Um, European Union VHF contest operation with the exchange of six-digit locators, QSO serial numbers, and stroke P call signs. AWRL field day operation with standard field day exchanges such as 6-Alpha Southern New Jersey, 6-A-S-N-J. Uh, AWRL RIDI Roundup operation with standard contest exchanges such as 579 New Jersey or 559-0071. Combound and non-standard call signs up to 11 characters. No need for distinctions about type 1 or type 2. Yeah, no old school. This is the new new regime. <laughs> new school, man. That's right. A special Post-meritocracy ham radio. <laughs> <laughs> nice callback. A special telemetry <laughs> message format for exchange of arbitrary information up to 71 whole bits. All features of FT8D expedition mode as in WSJTX uh, version 1.9.1. And this comes from the folks over at Princeton EDU that host the WSJTX project. So very cool. Looking forward to the new WSJTX since it's taking yeah. over the world anyway. 
Yeah, I'm wondering about that Ritty Roundup thing. I, I don't understand. Isn't that a Ritty contest? <laughs> <laughs> well, what do they need an exchange for that for if you're not running Ritty? Maybe WSJTX is going to support Ritty before too long. Maybe it's going to support all the digital modes. It won't even be WSJTX anymore. It'll be WSJT all. Oh, you know, that actually would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even describe how awesome that would be. <laughs> one, one step closer to the Linux Ham Radio Deluxe. Yeah, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, but it would it would uh, get rid of the hodgepodge that is, uh, you know, FL Digi. <laughs> so a lot of people don't like using that, especially for contests and stuff like that. That's why a lot of people will kind of, eh, you know, they might run Windows in a contest <laughs> just because they'll be using like MMTY and MTTY and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> and then one MM. And one mm. Yeah. <laughs> but if you could, yeah, if you could like skate by with just using WSJT and it has its own little serial numbers and it's logging. Um, yeah. Relate, related interesting. to the, yeah, interesting. And related to the last topic, Casey Zero in UK in the chat room says he successfully built a server including Pulse Audio with PA preps. Uh, it's running as Kenwood TS2000X with a signaling USB running over Pulse. So there you go. Yeah. That's that not Jack. None got. of that is Jack. That's all. That's <laughs> yeah, all no. Pulse. You got to. You got to go pulse. to the next level. Yeah, he was the one that was asking about getting the audio from one place to the other using Pulse. So that that he did get his question answered, and he did send us feedback saying that, of course, it it was working. So that's right. awesome. Yep. TCP streams and Pulse. Cool stuff. All right. So with that, we are down to our social media roundup. We've exhausted the topics for the evening. So that means we're going to bring Cheryl back in, get her off her phone for a few seconds, and. Let her read. Don't tell <laughs> get Bill off the that. <laughs> get, I'm, get I'm, off not, the I'm not on Facebook. No, she's watching <laughs> porn. So. No, I'm not. I'm playing uh, Marble Blast. You're watching porn. You know you are. <laughs> okay. Sure, right. whatever. Zuma apparently is porn. So hit the social media around there. All right, all right, all right. So they, they list all the people who pay to hear this crap. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, those silly people are in the Patreons column. William Heckelman, Cubicle Nate, John Spriggs, Steve Saner, Donald Gover, Robert Pitts, Paul Griffith, Jonas Rulo, Samuel Vimes, Steve Metcalf, Chris Beggio, and Darren King. Our subscriptions are James Lewis, Steve Hepler, Jeff Zimmerman, Michael Jopling, Steve Nichols, Todd Bowers, Thor Wiegman, Stephen Harp, Charlie Brown, Kevin Murray, Wayne Carpenter, Doug Redder, Bill Pioter, Dylan Engel, Alan Wilson, John Clark, Robert Halliday, Brian Smith, Johnny Kinsey, Ronald Ike, Robert Yerke, Michael Connolly, and Jeremy Hall. This week on Facebook, we have Una Alexa Carlson, Roger Johnston, Alejandro Sanchez Martinez, and Dale Jones. On Google Plus, we have Jeff Jones, Una Carlson, and Christopher Tripp. On Twitter, we have at Dory Half, at W.E. Johnston, and at Torspedia. On YouTube, we have Tom B., and nobody joined us on our mailing list, and nobody bought anything. All right, very good. And I don't think I'm telling stories out of school here, but if someone you know who listens to the show wants to go look up Una Alexia Carlson on Facebook, I'm pretty sure she's the only one. Um, there's a story there. I don't even know what the story is, but there's a story there. Okay, so I'm on face bags now. <laughs> and I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> so anyway, 
Um, thanks everybody for tuning in to episode number 248 of Linux in the Ham Shack. We appreciate all of our listeners and we appreciate all of our Patreons and subscribers as well. Everybody contributes to the show in some way and, um, we really enjoy putting the show out and we hope you enjoy listening to it. So with that, we are going to wrap this one up and we'll get ready for our deep dive topic and feedback round next Monday. But until then, You've been listening to episode number 248 of Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out. Linux in the Ham Shack and the Linux in the Ham Shack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribute Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.